One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. may attract the rich and famous, but it's not often that you'd find a princess, a viscountess, and the most beautiful woman in the world walking the same catwalk. Ciao! It's Milan Fashion Week. You're listening to Fashion Unzipped. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Charlie Gowans Eglinton. With me in the studio today is Victoria Moss, and Lisa Armstrong joins us on the phone. We'll get to the clothes later, but first, let's talk about the women wearing them. In past seasons, Milan Fashion Week has stood out as the least diverse in terms of casting, which made this season's lineup all the more powerful. First, it was Cara Nelson at Max Mara, Stella Tennant at Ferragamo, then Amber Valletta at Agnona, Shalom Harlow at Versace. So far, so refreshing for anyone over the age of 40. And then on Sunday, Dolce & Gabbana pulled out all the stops. Monica Bellucci, Ashley Graham, Mae Musk, Carla Bruni, Princess Dana Al-Khalifa of Bahrain, and Emma Weymouth, the first black Viscountess in Britain. Isabella Rossellini walked flanked by her children and grandbaby, and her daughter Electra breastfed backstage in full Dolce regalia. Lisa, how different did the casting in Milan feel to you this season? Well, until Dolce, it didn't really feel that different, to be honest. It still all felt a bit token. But Dolce do seem very committed to their sort of pan-generational, international casting, and also... Season after season, they use real women with real bodies. So you really do get all sizes and shapes on the catwalk. And it, it, that is fantastic, I think, as well as the age thing. Because whereas some designers, occasionally they'll sort of say, well, you know, we love bigger women. And then they'll take a really big woman like Beth Ditto, who's such a sort of strong personality anyway, that that almost overshadows the other message about dressing real women because she's bigger than most real women. Um, but I feel with Dolce, they actually have normal sizes, bigger sizes, thin ones, short ones, tall ones, and that is very refreshing. And I think that's the way that fashion needs to go more. It's not about glorifying obesity, as some commentators would have it. It's just about recognising a few facts of life. But also, I think it, with them now, it, it feels a lot more authentic because they've done it for so long. It's not like a gimmicky thing. 
you know, with lots of other brands, they just shove in one and make a sort of big song and dance about it. But I feel like they've done these kind of shows now for long enough that that's just, that's kind of what you get with Dolce. I was like, oh yeah, well, of course they had Isabella Rossellini and Carla Bruni. I was like, well, you know, that's the kind of thing they do. It wasn't that surprising to me in a way. It felt quite natural for them, which is good. Having somebody like Carla Bruni is a bit of a, it's almost like a stunt, okay? You're gonna get, you're gonna get coverage. But I think putting somebody, I mean, there were some women in there who I didn't, I didn't know who they were. They're probably not going to make the immediate news agenda, but their images will be floating around for the next six months and beyond. And, and you know, they're women who might be a size 14 or a 16, and I don't know what the age they are. They might be 30, they might be 50. You know, they're not extreme. Yeah. That's what I think is, is good about what they do. And also their clothes you know, really do work when you go into the stores. Those clothes work on all sizes and shapes and they stock a lot of sizes. Whereas, as we all know, you go into many luxury designer stores and they don't go much above a 14. Yeah. What their shows always are, which I always think is the kind of marked contrast to any other fashion show, is that they're really fun. You know, people laugh and join in. Just the people watching <laughs> of a Dolce show is fantastic because Isn't even it just amazing. Describe it, Charlie. When you it's, it's... <laughs> I, good, so try. <laughs> I file, you file in, you find your seat, and then, I mean, you kind of even forget the clothes are coming for a minute because you've got these amazing women, the customers. First of all, you know these are their top top customers who spend just buckets of money a season. And they're there in top-to-toe Dolce, skyscraper heels. A lot of them are wearing crowns, Dolce crowns, some flashing. Oh, yeah, a huge broad-brimmed hat with a veil on it, wasn't there? And then did you see the couple? I don't know if they, you know, if they were man and wife or whatever, but they were male and female in matching red brocade suits. Oh, did you see the two ladies? must have been in their kind of 80s, maybe 90s, with sort of slight purple rinses in these yes, amazing floral suits. I tried to take suits. pictures of them, but everyone kept walking in front of me. I mean, they were adorable. And then did you see the, I think she was Chinese lady in a sort of majolica print dress. With the children. With the two, I think oh. a boy and a girl dressed head to turn sequins, weren't Gold they both? sequins, the they were adorable. And then they were well, seated on the steps. you say adorable, <laughs> I find that big out horrifying, but <laughs> it's entertaining. <laughs> But they were having a whale of a time. That's the thing at Dolce. Everyone's having an amazing time. It really does feel celebratory, partly as well because we're all about to go home. It's the last show of the week. I mean, there is a sort of unfettered narcissism amongst certain sections of the audience that can be a bit hard to... Oh, I think that's the best bit to watch, Lisa, that unfettered narcissism. Yeah, but should he be encouraged? You see, here's the question. Should we just accept unfettered narcissism? No. Which seems to be increasingly the case. Or do I we, think I it's, mean, I we think were all going. brought up in the UK, right, to not be like, well, you'd think we were, but obviously it wasn't very successful. But, you know, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, is this just part of human nature that we should accept? It is, but not to this extent. But I, I sort of think that it's it's kind of reaching its nadir. I think there's going to be a shift in all this narcissism. Vic, what was your kind of favourite moment of the week? Not necessarily the clothes, but, I mean, experience-wise. Um, possibly an Aperol spritz on the, uh, the hotel <laughs> rooftop. No? Um, they didn't have the electric cellist out when you were there then. 
No, no. Well, Sasha and I nearly no. ran for cover. No. It's very Bellary Beats up there. Ah, no, 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 it was, um, I forget. I just remember the Aperol Spritz. It was yum. One of my favourite things was um, the Jill Sander show, which I frankly just want everything, which is now being designed by this quite sort of cute looking husband and wife team. And it's just, it's just kind of minimal heaven. And they've done this incredible boiler suit, which is also what I'm waxing lyrical about tomorrow in uh, the newspaper, if you feel like buying it. And the return of the boiler suit. And they did this very, very chic black slightly oversized very cool boiler suit one with a, a flat and a big giant squidgy bag and i'm all over it love it practical chic i mean what more could you want we've all had our heads down writing about our favorite trends actually for tomorrow's paper i think mine has to be duchess satin that amazing red coat at prada this duster coat with the bow and an orange one at ferragamo actually versace coats. versace had um, coats and jackets all red great satin red jackets mm. again papo moi not for me really no i find not red a bit colour. sudden oh i, I love red red but i love a bit of dutch she, she says <laughs> i waving I her christmas red. pen Actually, i'm making my notes as we record with a bright red pen topped with feathers and a small bobble santa so i'm already really getting the red memo mm-hmm. very old tech <laughs> uh, lisa what did you actually want to buy from the shows uh, oh, God, what did I want to buy? Not what did I want to buy, what did I buy? So I went to a, oh. a, um, an appointment at La Double J, that, mm. that, that, oh, that, did you that shop? brand. So well, hang on. Sneaky. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to shop and I didn't want to shop because I had put myself on a sort of, um, you know, a curfew with spending. But as I thought it was just an appointment to see next season and it turned out to be a pop-up shop and reader I bought. But... I mean, what's great about that brand is that um, it uses archive prints, you know, things that Prada may have used in the past, all sorts of... Um, it's all those Como silk factories, isn't it? All those Como silk factories. And the fabrics are beautiful. Mm. And the make is so amazing. I mean, my skirt is so lovely on the inside that I want to sort of use it reversibly. <laughs> I might have to unstitch the labour from the inside. And so from that point of view, I'm telling myself it's, a classic investment that will never ever die. Anyway, it's 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 lovely. So that's What's what I like, bought. Lisa? The print is like a nineties Prada sort of geometric print. It's a, not quite a pencil skirt. I mean, you can walk in it, but it's it's slim and it's um, mid calf. What I find amazing because you're petite, Lisa, and JJ yeah. Martin, who I is know. the American <laughs> fashion editor who married an Italian man and moved to Milan and set up her brand there, is so tall. So tall. But you haven't had any problems? You you think it works? Well, I mean, the thing... I've not seen you. How rude. How rude. Listen, I, this is, actually, this is something that I, I do get letters and emails from readers saying, oh, I can never find trousers to fit me because I'm only five foot five or whatever, which is tall compared with me because I'm five foot four and a half. But, you know, I can't get trousers to fit me up. You know, they're always too long and it's like... Uh, you just get them taken up. You go to your dry cleaners, and they take them up. It's not, or if you, you know, if you have any sewing skills, I don't. You take them up yourselves. It's, it's not a big impediment. I mean, if the pencil skirt is a bit too long, the pencil skirt that isn't really a pencil skirt is too long. I'll just, you know, get six inches taken off. Weirdly, it totally does. But I'm sure some things. I didn't have time to try on every single piece of the collection I was working that day. Wasn't there something else that happened in Milan? Was that Are you some, referring to my... To, to my, look um, five of Antonio Berardi's new collection? Yes, this is my new 
my side hustle as a model. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what you call it, but instead of doing a catwalk show, he Antonio Baraji asked various fashion editors and, and people, you know, women who he's worked with over the years to model his um, next collection. And I must say, you know, it was really good fun. Uh, the photographer was amazing, and, and there were lots of croissants, so it all went down really well. And a great makeup artist and fantastic lighting, so what's not to like? They were so quick as well. It was really funny. I've always thought modelling was really, really difficult, but I have to say I think we all did quite a good job. Anyway, the main thing is that it was a very nice idea, and it sort of feeds into that thing you were talking about, Charlie, about mixed casting. I mean, none of us are 20. I mean, I, I've, I've known him, I think, 24 years, because I can remember when he just graduated, mm. and he brought his portfolio in to see me. I was working at British Vogue then, and he was so shy. Was he? And, oh, my gosh, he's still really shy. He was so shy, and he just made some dresses, just out of St. Martin's. He just made some dresses for Kylie Minogue for a tour she was doing. They were incredible, and he'd just done a stint with John Galliano, and his dresses were quite Galliano-esque, bias cut. You know, that was the thing that Galliano was doing at the time. Beautiful embroidery, 1920s, 1930s. They were so incredibly made. And this was at a time when London was still quite raw, London fashion. And, and, you know, it was still all about kind of making things out of paper clips and, and safety, you know, and, and bin liners and stuff. It was beautiful. Anyway, so he's very shy, very talented and very, very sweet. So he bought me his portfolio. And um, anyway, the next thing he was on, the, he was on the fashion schedule and then he moved to Milan. You know, now he dresses Gwyneth and, and does lots of red carpet dressing. Which is great, but I kind of think some of his tailoring gets buried in all that. Yeah. So it was very, very nice to actually go in and also try on the clothes because they're just so beautiful. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how lucrative this new career is going to prove for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put it up on the Telegraph Fashion Instagram and then our, our, uh, our we'll readers many, can, yeah. can have their say. Do not get them to vote. Do get, <laughs> get in touch. Would you, would you like to see Lisa perhaps modelling the new season in our pages? Oh, <laughs> why not? I, I, think, <laughs> I feel a Dolly Parton jumpsuit coming I on. think we could all, in the argument for diversity, we could all be modelling because we're all different heights and ages and we've all got different tastes, which I've always loved that about our team. The fact that we don't feel we need to you know, have a, a kind of telegraph manifesto on style. I think it's really healthy. You can tell that at the shows, actually, can't you? Because a lot of the different magazine and paper teams, as they travel around, have a uniform. I know. And you can kind of spot them. They merge into one after a while. I mean, I wonder if we, we do start to merge. You know the way women all get their periods at the same time? If they we're sinking, together? do you think? Yeah, whether we're sinking. Well, you know, there's a little bit of crossover. <laughs> Way to go, Tony Berardi. More diversity in the, in the casting. It's what we want to see from everybody. I have to say, we didn't see it at Dior in Paris yesterday, although it was a beautiful show. Save up your secrets, Lisa, because we'll have more on that next week. Oh. Get your powder oh, God, It's almost as big a cliffhanger as um, The Bodyguard, isn't it? <laughs> Each fashion capital definitely has its own identity. New York is glossy and accomplished, London a hotbed of emerging talent, Paris breaking new ground. Milan has always been more fur coat and stilettos than anything more practical. 
which is why I was so excited to see pockets on everything at Fendi. And then trainers, jeweled at Jimmy Choo. I mean, admittedly, thousands of pounds. Um, Velcro strapped at Versace. Lisa, you've written about coming around to the white trainer trend. What changed your mind? Well, the fact that absolutely the rest, the entire rest of the world had come around to it. <laughs> I mean, a fashion editor should leave, but in this case, it's definitely funny. Um, well, it's just so comfortable, isn't it? And, you know, I always hated white sneakers, and I worked out why. It's obviously because I had a horrible PE teacher as a kid, which traumatised me. Would you like to name and shame them here? It's a circle of trust. No, no, no. <laughs> can't remember. Um, but she was vile to me. Um, but she's really served me well because I remember she said to me, oh, you'll be fat by the time you're 40 because I was always obviously behind the bike sheds, you know, not playing hockey. And that made me determined to do some form of exercise and kind of stay in some kind of shape. But the white sneaker, I think that's where my, my hatred was first born. Uh, and I've loved other kinds of sneakers. But anyway, the white trainer, it just looks sort of fresh, doesn't it? That's a, such a fashion thing to say. But, fresh, you know. so fresh. I love a white trainer. Fresh. I'm white. wearing them today. So am I. Yeah, I've been wearing them. I've been wearing yeah. them, you know, loving them. But they are exacerbating my blisters. You got the wrong ones. No, I didn't. I got the wrong blisters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got terrible blisters from another pair of shoes. It's so awful. Have you been step count competing again? Lisa. Yes, but it's been a disaster. It's been a disaster, and I'm blaming it all on Maria Grazia, Curie, designer at Dior, because, I, you know, I love her. I love what she does, but the show was just too far out yesterday for us to walk to. So, you know, we had to go in a car. So the step count is really, it's down. It's down this season. Well, you could always do uh, what I saw you doing last season, actually, and just walk up and down the um, Eurostar <laughs> carriage to try and get your steps up, holding your phone. To the point that another editor was like, do you think Lisa's all right? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> we'll <laughs> never know. <laughs> thought you'd lost something, but you were just getting your steps up. <laughs> never a moment's rest. <laughs> no, but hasn't it been lovely doing the shows in this fabulous weather? It's just made all the difference. Yeah, yeah, much better. I thought it was a bit too hot in Milan. Too though. hot. I'm quite excited to be back in London and be able to wear jumpers. Yeah, I was definitely ready for knits. Yeah, no, no, I love, I'm embracing my knits too. And also yesterday I was really embracing my pair of Joseph trousers I bought last winter actually and thinking, oh dear, Louise Trott is leaving Joseph and I really hope that they don't change direction. I loved what she did. Yeah. Did, you, did you see the announcement? There's a new Lisa? person. Who was the new person? They announced it yesterday. It's Susanna Clayton. Um, So she's formerly of Givenchy and also Chloe. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) We haven't... Easily I'm controlled. (laughs) (laughs) Louise who? We haven't seen any of her designs yet, but they announced this just yesterday and her first show will be in February. So oh, fingers God, crossed. That is, a, that is a piece of exciting information that sadly got buried amongst the news about Versace being bought by Michael Kors, which is a phenomenal piece of news. I mean, but but actually, personally, I think I'm more interested in the uh, Givenchy going to Joseph. I hope this doesn't mean that they're going to bump up those Joseph prices. Hmm. It sounded like they were going to make it more more classic, less zhuzh, more sort of refinement. She said she wanted to go back to kind of the elevated staples that yeah. were originally at the core of the brand. Sorry, I thought they were already doing elevated staples. I thought they did. I mean, that's what I buy from them. Yeah, me 
wouldn't you? Elevated you know. staples. <laughs> um, who knows? I mean, you know, elevated staples is one of those really fabulously vague terms, isn't it? Mm. We can't very well just say, you know, it's already really nice, so we just want it to be really nice, but it's going to be someone new at the helm, can yeah. they? Yeah, we're just going to make some more black houses. <laughs> they have yeah. to tell us about some kind of new direction. This is very interesting. So we've got ex-Givenchy man Ricardo Tisky now in charge of Burberry. We've got... Givenchy itself doing great guns under Claire Wake Keller and being worn, I think, by a new demographic. You know, Megan is taking it out to a, a different kind of woman than would have bought it before. And now we've got ex-Givenchy at Joseph, so it's like the power of Givenchy. I'm really feeling like I could wear more black at the moment. I'm so into black. After no, a summer I'm of so colour. So, you know, if Givenchy, all these Givenchy brains do paint it all black, then maybe it's no great loss. Head to toe black. But Vic, you don't wear loads of black. No, but I am now. She's top to toe in black today, apart from her white trainers. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I am going to be the resistance movement. Yeah, you don't really do black, do you? I do. I do a bit of it, but I don't want to. Just, I don't want to live in black. I, I find it depressing, and also, actually, it doesn't suit me particularly. You know, I look better in different and other colours, and I think that's true of tons of people. So. It's really, you know, you're both too young, but I can remember going to the shows when absolutely everybody was head to toe in black. And I'd hate us to go back to that because I think what's so great is the freedom now to, yeah, you know, if you want, if black looks great and you love it, then fine. But there's so many other options as well. I mean, I remember when you couldn't even buy navy, it, it was just black. See, I've worn a lot of colour in the last kind of 10 years as a rebellion because when I was a fashion assistant I worked for a couple of not very nice stylists who I had to wear all black at all times and I couldn't introduce myself by name and I wasn't allowed to eat (laughs) on shoot days and I'd just hide bread rolls in my bag I'm fine I lived but I, I had to wear black all the time for kind of months and months and years and years and so then as soon as I could wear colour I just started wearing it and now it looks really chic in her black today. Yeah, thanks. No, no, I do, I do think it's chic, but I, do, I just, I don't want us to go back to the days when we all wore it head to toe every single day. Yeah, no freedom, 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 and also black loses its power. I think if you, if you wear it all the time. What were your highlights from Milan Fashion Week, and what did you make of the casting at Dolce and Gabbana? Get in touch with your opinions, questions and feedback at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. And visit telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion for more new season style advice. We've nearly reached the end of the episode. And before we go, we've just got time to find out what everyone's excited about this week. Obviously, Paris is at the top of everyone's list, um, but closer to home. What's everyone looking forward to? Lisa? Well, I actually, um, I am really looking forward to a fashion event, which is the new da-da-da, Eddie Slimane for Celine, without the accent. I've had my run-ins with Eddie in the past. I mean, not personally, obviously, he doesn't really meet the press, but negative reviews and then being told I wasn't going to be invited to the show and then last-minute rescinding of that. But I'm just, I'm so curious. And there's such a build-up of feeling about this about this you know so many people love Celine Mm. and even if they couldn't afford to to buy the clothes they might buy a little pouch bag or you know they'd go to Zara and get the 
the um, the tributes or any any other brand and get the tributes because it was so widely influential. And, you know, and there's a, supposedly there's been someone going around London putting all the accents back on the e that he's removed <laughs> because this is this it is the news me. that he changed the Celine logo into a logo that looked pretty much identical, uh, apart from the spacing was slightly different, and he's taken the acute accent off the first E. But I mean, yeah. to be honest, this is quite a modest makeover for Slimane, because it, at YSL he kind of... Well, he took the Eve off, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, this is absolute... Um, well, it's either what you, you might call the most fastidious attention to detail, or it's just dicking around. But, you know, we'll see. It's, he's going to radically change that brand. I, think. I mean, I was reading um, a translation of... Um, of bad translation, no? A very, yeah, a, a bad, hasty... Well, it was a hasty translation of an interview that some very trusty journalist said to me was not actually a proper sit-down interview, but has been presented as a sit-down interview. But who knows? Anyway, this interview was in... Was it Le Figaro? Or yeah, Figaro. One of the French newspapers. And um, Slimane says, rightly so, in a way, you know, you don't go to a brand to just continue what's been done before. But the problem with him is that there's always a feeling that he's rather contemptuous of his predecessors. I, I mean, he, he doesn't say that. He says, I think, he's got respect for what Phoebe does, did. But on the other hand, he just wants to get rid of it all. He deleted the entire Instagram feed. Of Celine, it, it just some might say petty, and they, they, you know, they're ripping up that in oh, the showroom in Paris, the, floor. the incredible marble floor that uh, replicated in in the shops that were all redone under Phoebe. They they ripped up that floor. Do you remember back in 2012 when he joined Yves Saint Laurent and changed the name to Saint Laurent by Eddie Slimane? Although there were lots of changes back and forwards, weren't there? But there were those T-shirts that everyone was wearing that said "Ain't Laurent without E." People, people love to kind of comment on what he's doing. They do. And actually, do you know what? This is why I'm excited, because he engages people. He gets a reaction. And I'm absolutely intrigued to know what he's going to do. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm excited about. He was about. commercially very successful at St. Ron. So successful. Yeah, that, yes, that, I mean, which you can't really argue with. No. Proving the utter impotence of the fashion press, actually, because we all slated it. Lisa, <laughs> do you want to go um, or not? Well, you know, what can I say? Peeps, I told you it wasn't very good and you all went out and bought it. <laughs> Vic, what are you excited about this week? Um, well, I'm excited because winging their way across London to me are my... I'm getting into athleisure like about 10 years after everyone else. So I've purchased a pair of Stella McCartney sort of hybrid jogging. Is it a pair of trousers? Is it a pair of jogging bottoms? Who knows? But anyway, I bought them. And so I'm really excited about them turning up this afternoon. What will you be wearing them for? Um, everything. Actual work? Like, like in, you know, like Athletic. in the day. No, work not for you. actual sport, sport okay. activity, okay. for the leisure of the ath. Well, or <laughs> at work, at play. I mean, who you know, but not for running. Okay. No, obviously. No. Really? <laughs> I mean, well, I wear are, them with my trainers, but Stella, I'm not going to so run. Want to ruin them? No, I want to sweat in Stella. <laughs> no, God no. What colour? Black. Okay. Mobs. Mm -hmm. Charlie, what, what's betting you on fire? Two. Always two. Is it a podcast? Me. Well, no. One is a TV show. You know me, Lisa. Have you watched The Good Place? Oh, no, it no. is fantastic. Oh it's, my God, it's my favourite show. It's Kristen Bell and. 
It's Jamila Jamil of T4 fame. It's just Ted wonderful. Danson. Uh, it's on Netflix. There have been two seasons already. The third season oh, no. arrives on Friday. Me, though. I've got two seasons already. No, no, no. They're, very, they're very short episodes. Half hour. And I've recommended these to everyone and no one has okay. come back to me and said no. Pure joy. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. My Good. second thing that I'm excited about, ahead of the Freeze exhibitions in London, which I have my tickets for oh, already. Oh, fancy. On Thursday, I'm going to the Royal Academy. So partnership editions, I think I've talked about them on the podcast before. They sell online and they also sell in Liberty and they specialise in kind of one-off pieces of art under £1,000. So they work with these young artists um, and it's it's for people who kind of want to start an art collection but don't have those huge budgets. I mean, I know that's still a lot of money, but there are pieces for kind of £250, £300 and it's something that I might invest in or ask for for Christmas or, you know, get everyone to chip in for my birthday or you never know. Uh, So on Thursday, I'm going to get to meet some of the artists and preview some of the new work that they've got coming out. Actually, the big auction houses, Christie's and Sotheby's, all all sort of caught people at that level, maybe just higher, because obviously, you know, most of us are never going to be able to afford a very expensive painting, but it's so lovely to have some original art, isn't it? And it's the same principle as fashion. You know, the reason that designers have these £500 bags and then they have £3,000 handbags is Mm. that, you know, it's an entry price point. It's for that perhaps younger buyer or someone who doesn't want to invest so much, but it's their way of kind of buying into the brand and then hopefully for the brand that turns into loyalty and they come back. I love Freeze, I must say. Does anybody else go? Mainly for I the... love Freeze. I absolutely. I mean, I, I think the um, the people watching are so yeah, great. Art Freeze. people are so weird, though. Exactly, it's well, perfect. No, I know, but at least fashion people. <laughs> I always think fashion people are like our people. Like I get them. Oh no, no, I don't want to be part no. of that tribe. Also, but I, I do think the art people are better dressed than. No. Oh. Yes, and also no, you do weird. see fashion people like I've always seen yeah, there's Roxander a cross drifting there's a cross. about, child in tow, looking absolutely fantastic. Probably mm. buying some art, whereas I'm just taking pictures of things and putting them on my Instagram. Taking pictures of Roxanne. <laughs> Not Roxanne, that would be stalkerish. <laughs> <laughs> but it is great people watching, would recommend. <laughs> the big challenge when you go to Freeze is to make sure that you do actually look at some art. I try and sort of say it's work, you know, I'll try and spin a piece around it. <laughs> well, I mean, where better to see what people are really wearing? Than you know, in a room where all these creative people are gathering, those super high net worth individuals buying up all the art at Freeze are what real people are wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You don't get all the money to buy art if you're constantly splashing out on you know, top to toe designer, do you? It is interesting. I think how the two worlds are so similar in so many ways. I mean, I think fashion is totally an awe of art. You know, and fashion houses sort of weigh great big checkbooks at artists. And I think the artists must just be sniggering up their seats because they churn out a bit of old guff for these um, fashion houses and get paid lots of money for it to be put on a scarf or something. Because fashion is so in awe. It's so in awe of art. But there's no reason really for it to be in awe of art because, you know, some fashion designers are incredibly talented and some artists really aren't that talented but get very, very hyped. And like fashion... Art has its trends. If you look at a lot of the big-name contemporary painters from the 80s and 90s, they're not so hot anymore. Things come and go out of fashion in art. Do you buy art, Lisa? Well, 
a little no no I mean I don't buy fancy art a tiny tiny little bit I mean I've got some very good friends who work in the art world and they always say that when I actually do have some money they'll help me choose but I never do seem to have enough money to buy proper bigger pieces but yeah I, I like it I love going to exhibitions I suppose one thing that I really love about art is I can go to I can go to say a Matisse exhibition and absolutely love it and not feel I have to own it I wish I felt like that when I walked into matches <laughs> And on that note, thanks for listening. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.